So today we're starting a new series called The Helper. Um, we're going to be studying in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and especially how Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus and his followers really kind of took over. We actually have a video to kind of help set the table for our discussion. I'm an investigative journalist from the Philippines. Journalists provide information that allows people to make decisions about their lives. Our investigation takes us to an insurgent stronghold. Democracies around the world continue to function because there are journalists out there still doing their jobs, risking their lives, still believing that they can make a difference. I came upon one more place where the tensions in the forest were coming to a head. to tell the story, someone like that had to be shown. He was still very frightened. He said that if the government knew that he had come to talk with me, he would be punished. If I could take it back, I would. Every single case of these unsolved civil rights murders was initiated by a reporter. Okay, so investigative journalism plays an important role in, in how we receive information. Um, in our world, I mean, it, it's so critical, the integrity of the information. Um, you know, investigative journalists, they take eyewitness accounts, they fact collect, and as you see a lot of times, they, they put their lives on the line at times. I mean, they get put in very dangerous situations to tell the world the truth. Um, I think it's important uh, when people are circulating today, you know, you, you see fake news, right? We've heard that term. It's one we've used here at Connect. It's really nothing new because even back, you know, when Luke was going through his investigation and his chronicling of what was happening, there was fake news circulating about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, it was n nothing new today. That was still happening back then. So when Luke comes into the picture, you know, a little bit of, about Luke is he was a physician. And if anybody here in the medical field or knows somebody in the medical field, you know, they're very matter-of-fact. They're very, you know, detailed. Um, I always make fun of it. It's almost in a cold fashion that their details are mm -hmm. so, you know, specific. Mm -hmm. um, he was very concerned about the facts of the truth in wanted to dispel like the myths and the superstitions um, that were out there and the inc incorrect information. Uh, he was also a disciple of, of Paul. You know, he, he was with Paul for a lot of uh, his journeys and in chronicling as well. So, um, but when he became aware that there was a lot of misinformation being spread about Jesus, Luke took it upon himself uh, to correct the problem. So Luke was an investigative reporter. Uh, like other investigative journalists, Luke interviewed eyewitnesses, he investigated the stories, uh, tried to do as much firsthand as possible at the time. Uh, he wrote an accurate account of the life of Jesus, which today we call the Gospel of Luke. 
So if you've got your Bibles, your electronic device, go ahead and open them up. If you don't have a Bible back there uh, at the connection table, Gene has some if you need one. And we're going to start at the beginning of Luke, the very beginning, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write an accurate account for you. Most honorable, honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke focused on the role of the Holy Spirit more than any other gospel writer. The role of the Spirit was important to what he was writing. So today we're going to talk about the story of Luke 1 and 2, and we're going to pay close attention to the role of Holy Spirit in this story. And when we take a look at Luke today, we're going to see two distinct things that Holy Spirit does in people's lives. The first thing happened to a whole bunch of people, and it's still happening today. And so if you're taking notes, number one, and you're filling the blanks, is Holy Spirit fills people. Holy Spirit fills people. So what we're going to do now is uh, let's take a look at what Luke has to say about some of these people uh, right in chapter 1 and 2 and how Holy Spirit filled them. Uh, The first couple we're going to take a look at is Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, a lot of times we start off with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and, and we learn a little bit about them. Luke tells us that uh, Zechariah is a temple priest, and uh, so it, not the high priest, but a temple priest. So he has duties around the temple periodically throughout the month, and, and that's what we learn about him. We learn that Elizabeth was his wife, uh, and they were a married couple. But something else we learn about them is that they were both childless, and they were elderly. They were advanced in age, and that's, that's what we learn about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then what Luke tells us is something super important. It says, when Zechariah was serving in the temple one day, an angel appeared to him and told him that Elizabeth was going to have a baby. Now, that probably was a little bit of a shock for Zechariah, knowing that he was advanced in age. But the angel told Zechariah several more things, too, all kinds of things. He said that the baby will be filled with Holy Spirit before his birth. And that was significant when the angel told Zechariah that. What was even more significant is up until this point in time, we had about 300 years to where there were no prophets available in Israel. It was like, you know, the Lord had been silent because up until that point, there was a lot of prophets proclaiming the word of the Lord Uh, predicting Jesus and and a lot of things. But for about 300 years, it was silent. So this would have been crazy good news for Zechariah to hear that the angel appeared and was giving him this awesome information that not only were they going to have a child, but Holy Spirit was going to be with this child from birth. And so the nation of Israel was waiting for the Messiah. Like I had made mention, there was a lot in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And the prophecies had said that uh, he would usher in a new age of the Holy Spirit. That 
this, this would usher in the new age of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't long before Elizabeth found out that she was pregnant after Zechariah had this encounter with the angel. And as you can imagine, both of them were overjoyed. They were both super joyful about the, what was going to happen to them. So six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, we find out that uh, Mary, the Virgin Mary, who was a cousin of Elizabeth, was coming over and uh, the same angel was visiting her. And the same angel that visited Elizabeth was visiting Mary. And so the angel had a very similar message for Mary than for Elizabeth. Uh, You're going to conceive a baby. So now let's put our, ourselves in Mary's shoes a little bit. We were just with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and man, that was awesome. They were overjoyed. Mary's response was a little bit different uh, than Zechariah and Elizabeth's joy. Obviously, Mary, uh, from what many theologians tells us, she was a young teenager, maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Uh, she was not married, obviously, at this time. And so really, for the news to come to her, she's like, well, there's no biological way that this is going to happen. So uh, Mary must have wrestled with this thought for, for a little while. But Luke tells us that Mary said this. Mary said, how can this be? And, and I'm sure, you know, if we were in Mary's shoes, we would have said the same thing. How can this be? But right after that, she said this in Luke 138. And this is really awesome. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Isn't that an amazing response from a young teenage girl who doesn't fully understand everything that the angel told her? She's wrestling with this, but you know what? She's trusting in God's plan, and she's trusting the Lord. And she's like, okay, whatever. Whatever you want to do, I am your vessel. I I am open to whatever you want to do. So now uh, the angel told Mary about Elizabeth's pregnancy as well. And then for those of us that maybe have studied this before, the next thing that happens is that Mary hurries off to go visit her cousin, uh, who is now six, six months along. And when Mary greeted Elizabeth, Luke tells us some more details. Because remember, he's a physician, he's detail-oriented, and he's going to stick to the facts, and he's going to tell us things that are important. And here's what he said in, in Luke 1:41. Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, that's supernatural information there, folks. Because Mary didn't have a chance to tell Elizabeth what was going on. But Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit and then proclaimed that, that encouragement, that comfort over Mary. Amazing. Luke is very specific, like I made mention, with his language. And then Mary sang a song of praise, which is really cool. A few years ago, we talked about that song of praise called the Magnificat around the holiday season. And it's actually a song of prophecy. Luke records this prophecy, this song, and, and, and still many churches today recite it. So I encourage you if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and look at Luke and, and see what that song of praise that Mary was, was singing was all about. She sings this song as she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then three months later. Well, three months later, Elizabeth gives birth to the baby. And uh, at the naming ceremony, everyone's kind of expecting that 
the baby's going to be named after the father. It was kind of a big deal back then. That was kind of tradition. But uh, Zechariah was, was given instruction, and out of obedience, he named that baby John. Um, and then Luke tells us, you know, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to prophesy. We're starting to develop a little bit of a pattern here, right? So we had Elizabeth and Mary, and we have Zechariah now prophesying as well, being filled with Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the pattern is God is going to do something new. And Holy Spirit is kind of like the setup. So, I mean, played volleyball before, you know, there's the bump, the set, the spike. And, well, the Holy Spirit's kind of the set. You know, and of course, Jesus is that spike, the finisher. Right. But Holy Spirit is kind of the set for that. So, and it, it, as Bob mentioned, you know, there had been 300 years since there had been any real prophecy, anything really kind of coming down the information pipeline there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so this was a big deal. So now the people that we have, you know, Elizabeth, Mary, John, Zechariah, all of them filled with Holy Spirit and they're prophesying. This is an important observation that Luke has given us is when the Holy Spirit fills people, they prophesy. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, uh, simply put, is that they begin s- speaking or worshiping or declaring uh, the works of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when you get filled, um, you know, I, I'm sure many of us have experienced that during worship when you just, your heart connects with a song and just emotion starts to well and it, it's almost like that's leading you. Very similar. Mm-hmm. When the Holy Spirit fills people, they prophesy. So remember before we say I'll prophesy in a sec, uh, strengthening, encouraging, comforting. When we prophesy like this, Holy Spirit is setting up uh, the blessing that he's prepared to bring. And why is this happening to Elizabeth, Mary, Zechariah, even the baby John? Mm-hmm. It's because the Holy Spirit is set up for the new that God is bringing through Jesus. Right. He is setting it up the new. So much new. The Old Testament prophecy about uh, the Messiah, you know, were predicted that he would come with a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So these experiences were announcing, it's here. Messiah is coming. Um, and it set up the work and the Holy Spirit and all this. So, mm-hmm. um, but now, if we keep reading in Luke, the Holy Spirit keeps on filling these people. So after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph take him to the temple for dedication in Luke chapter 2. Um, so when they go there, two other people start to prophesy, Simeon and Anna. And uh, we're not going to get into that story right now, but I mean, if you want to go back and read it, it it's, it's kind of fascinating. It all correlates and falls right in line with what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. Um, so th- there's two more people to list now in everything that's going. The ball's starting to roll, right? The setup is happening. Uh, Elizabeth, Mary, John, baby in the womb, Zachariah, uh, Simeon and Anna. So what is the Holy Spirit setting up for you? What is he speaking to you? If you are filled with Holy Spirit, he's at work in you, setting the stage for the next big thing God is bringing to you. This should fill us with hope. Something new is about to happen. There's always hope when there's something new, right? That's why spring feels so refreshing. Is there something new about to happen? 
this wasn't just for Elizabeth, Mary, and Zachariah, and all the rest of them. Holy Spirit is filling you now. He's the setup for a miraculous thing that God is about to do something in your life. Now, I want to move on from what happened to lots of people in the story and this extraordinary uh, Holy Spirit encounter that happened to one individual. You'll see it's easy for us to see the work of Holy Spirit is kind of two-dimensional, you know, prophesying, speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Holy Spirit is much more complex than that. Um, in Luke 1, we see him doing something that's truly extraordinary, and occasionally this uh, kind of experience will happen to us as well. And it's number two on your outline. So number one was the Holy Spirit fills people. What we're going to take a look at now is number two. Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And we find this in Luke one thirty-five when the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So this word overshadowed is different than other descriptions that we see that Luke gives us for people's interactions with Holy Spirit in this narrative. When we talked about how Holy Spirit filled all of these people, but now we see this word overshadowed, and it's different. This word exactly, it means exactly what it says. It means to envelop in shadow. Other places in the New Testament, uh, this word is used, and it describes the cloud of God's glory. If you remember, we did a message series earlier this year called God's Glory, and we talked about the, co- the cloud of God's glory overshadowing, and basically that is just the revelation of his presence. And in Mary's case, that overshadowing resulted in a baby being conceived, not through biology, but through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit of God. Man, that's powerful and amazing to even try to comprehend. And what we learn through this is that Holy Spirit is the creative spirit. Holy Spirit is the creative spirit. Now, when we were doing some research and thinking about this, we went all the way back to the beginning of time that's chronicled in Genesis in the Old Testament. So I want to take us there now. A lot of us know the Genesis creation story, right? Six days, God, then God took a break, and then everything was created, and then Adam and Eve were on the scene, and then they really messed up and sinned, and, and then we kind of move on from there, right? I want to take a deeper look at the first few verses of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Have you noticed that before? I I know you've probably read it. What was Spirit doing? Hovering over the waters. This word hovering is a word that conveys the idea of a mama bird sitting on the eggs in her nest, brooding over and, and hovering over those eggs, caring 
for those new lives before those eggs are hatched. So, in the moments of creation, what do we see? We see that it was Holy Spirit that was intimately caring for all the living things that the fiat of God was creating. Once again, Holy Spirit is the creative spirit. Man, that's powerful and amazing when you take a look at creation from that perspective. And when Spirit, who hovered over the earth in the first moments of creation, overshadowed Mary, a new life was created. And it was simply a miracle. So now I guess the question is, um, what would happen to you if you were overshadowed right now? If the Holy Spirit overshadowed you, how would that feel? What if the Holy Spirit had a master plan of creating something new in your life, something that disrupted your plans and what you thought you had in store for you? What if, what if you were caught in a moment and it just it took over and surrounded you? And it asked, it begged for that moment to make, for you to make that change. How would you react to that? It'd be tough. Young teenager did it. <laughs> you know, and of course, I mean, we're not being asked to bear the Holy Son of God. You know, that's not it. But I do believe that Holy Spirit works in us and is constantly trying to guide us trying to communicate with us, trying to help us, help us find that new, find that hope that God wants us to have. But when the Holy Spirit overshadows the people he loves, he's always birthing something new. And I kind of have a really personal story uh, to share about this. I haven't shared this with too many people in my life, but um, back in January of 2000, it was just after the new year. Uh, been <coughs> excuse me. Been working construction, making decent money, um, and had just decided not to continue with college. And I was I was really in a party lifestyle, and um, it feels weird audibly saying that now. But um, man, I'd go out quite a bit, quite a bit, seeking attention, trying to. Uh, numbed down a voice that was always telling me, this isn't what I want for you. I was living a life of duality. And uh, so one night, my friends, they call me up. and like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go out. You know, I'm like, all right, I'll be ready. So they come, they pick me up, and we go. With each passing moment, every hour from that phone call, this voice was like, it wasn't audible, but it was a feeling. It was just something that had taken over inside of me that, was like, this is not what I have for you. It's time. And just, I kept, kept trying to throw him back, trying to drown that voice, but something really miraculous happened that night, and I do believe over- overshadowing is the perfect word for it because no matter what I drank, no matter what I did to s- seek other people's attention to distract me, that voice did not go away. My state of consciousness did not change. It did not alter. In fact, it got more intense as the night went on. And it got to a point where all these people that I only knew from there, but I somehow considered them friends, 
God did something with my vision that night that I've never experienced, and I don't know if I'll ever experience it again. I mean, it felt like I was having a panic attack because literally their character and their intentions showed on their faces to me that night. I mean, it, it snapped my spine straight. I was, I was so uncomfortable all of a sudden in a place where I had thought I had found comfort and acceptance and gratification in so many different ways. All of a sudden, I am very uncomfortable. And so some other things happened that night, and I get home, and man, I am praying like never before. I'm praying, God, if that was you, if you went that far, which I know, I mean, his power is unlimited, right? There's nothing really he can't do. But for me, it felt like a lot. It felt like a lot was happening. I'm like, God, if you, if you reached that far for me to pull me out of a situation, who am I not to listen you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, it, it took another couple weeks. But what happened was, is the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, what happened there, things I had specifically prayed about before that evening, he already set in motion in my life. My wife, Melissa, she had just moved back from California, from Hope University. It's a Christian college. I remember specifically praying, God, I need an influence in my life that is rooted in you to hold me accountable, to not, tell me what, not be afraid to tell me when I'm wrong, to help me grow in the path that you want me to grow in. My dad had met her a month before that evening. I met her a month after that evening. And it, had it not been for that experience of what had happened that night, man, I, w- I wouldn't have you guys, I wouldn't have such a blessed life. I've got a, I've got a great wife. I have three amazing kids. And that was all specific prayer. That was all specific prayer. I have the relationship with my kids that I cried about as a child wanting to have. I just didn't know it was going to take me 30 years to get there because I grew up with an elderly father, single parent. You know, he set the ball in motion. And when he was ready for that change to happen, he overshadowed me. Holy Spirit found me and grabbed me and changed everything. So Jeff had some thoughts that I'd like to share, uh, something concerning Holy Spirit. Um, when we call the Holy Spirit, kind of gives him an impersonal feel. And that's why I've tried to make a conscious effort today to say, call him by name, Holy Spirit, instead of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, but the Bible makes it clear that uh, he's just as personal as Jesus or Father God. So you might have noticed many of us um, call him Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's more like a name. So we pray to Holy Spirit. We talk with people about Holy Spirit. So now we're gonna we're gonna go into prayer. I just I want to invite Holy Spirit to join us, fill us, and to overshadow us. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for your abundant communication and your pursuing work for your people that you love. And I just, I ask that there is an opportunity that you overshadow us, that you just, you you take us over and you show us that we we have hope, that there's something new 
There's something brand new and exciting coming. Hope that you find us, Lord. Hope that you continue to speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you continue to work in our hearts and guide our steps. And as we move forward, that, that we are obedient, just as Zachariah named his child John, that we walk in that same confidence and that same obedience, and that you continue to use us. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.